Hello and welcome to iPhone Life Podcast, episode 15. I'm David Averbach, CEO and publisher of iPhone Life magazine. I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. And I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life magazine. Each week, we talk about the latest Apple news, top tips, great gear, best apps. We've got an awesome show for you this week. We've got a ton of Apple news, iOS 9. Point two drop today. Watch OS 2.1 is coming out. Apple TV rumors. iPhone 6s or iPhone 7 rumors, I should say. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, holidays and the iPhones and do's and don'ts and holiday etiquette. So stay tuned. But first, uh, let me talk about iPhone Life Tip of the Day. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you go subscribe to it. It's free. It's a daily newsletter we send out every single day. And we send a quick tip of how to get more out of your iPhone, how to save time, be more productive. Uh, so go to iphonelife.com slash daily tip to subscribe. And Donna, what was your favorite tip from this week? My favorite tip this week was how to get public transit directions in Maps. So with iOS 9, we finally have public transit directions in major cities in the U.S. and um, in, I think, 300 cities around the world. So if you go into the Apple Maps app, and this would have been really nice to have last winter when I was in New York. Now I don't have any reason to use it, but I'm still excited for all my friends who live in New York. Um, you find where you're trying to go, um, and when, once you hit get directions, you'll see the option at the top, drive, walk, or transit. So make sure you select transit. Then at the bottom, you'll see a suggested route, which is usually going to be the fastest route. Um, Siri, I mean, your phone picks for you, but you can also tap more routes and you'll see all of your options. And this can include, you know, if you have uh, uh, trains, subway, ferries, anything that's different than walking or driving will show up there and you can choose the one you want. And then once you've uh, tapped start, you can look at an overview and you can expand each step. Like when you're walking, you can expand and see like exactly how far you should walk. It'll tell you when to turn right. And once you're also on the subway, it'll tell you exactly how many stops you go by and the name of them. So That's really it, handy. Yeah. So when you're on the subway, you're not like, oh, did I go too far? Because you know exactly which stops, which... It's and pretty does, awesome. Does that work offline, I wonder? Because most subways obviously are underground where you don't get reception. Yeah, so you have to um, you have to get the route uh, ahead of time. But, but then the GPS the route, will continue okay. to work, so it'll show you where along the way you are. Oh, nice. cool. Very yeah. cool. So now, do you guys use Google Maps or Apple Maps? Well, I was a big fan of Google Maps and not a big fan of Apple Maps mm. until this last weekend when Google Maps dumped me at the entrance of a housing development <laughs> and told me I had arrived at my destination when, in fact, it was five miles away on, like, unlit roads. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so I switched to Apple Maps. It took me right there. It gave me turn-by-turn -turn directions on my Apple Watch. And honestly, that was, like, the last draw with Google Maps because it's not the first time it's done something like that to me. Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I, it's been a long time since I've had either completely fail me in terms of where I'm going. But I use Apple Maps just because it's convenient to use with Siri, and that's the default 
it's the easiest to use Apple Maps with Siri. And I personally haven't had a lot of problems. I did use, I didn't use Google Maps when I was in New York, actually. I used Embark, I think it was. For some reason, I don't like Google Maps. I can't really give you a logical reason. (laughs) I feel like Google Maps really doesn't shine in more rural areas. Yeah. So that may be it. There's something about the navigation I don't find as straightforward. Like, I feel like I got lost in New York using Google Maps, but that was still my own fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've been a Google Maps fan for a while. I mean, I tried out Apple Maps right when it first came out, uh, when it was, I think even Apple obviously admitted that it was a disaster. Uh, And I was in Chicago, and Chicago is actually really hard for these uh, map Uh, for all the different map apps because there's so many like bridges and you're driving under and the roads like there's like they don't know if you're on one road or another Uh, but it literally had me driving like in figure eights oh that's pretty easy to do in chicago actually yeah Yeah. that's why you use the navigation exactly um so i and i just you know it's one of those things i've just gotten used to google maps but I might give Apple Maps another shot. You should. Yeah. It's improved a lot. And if you, I know you wear your Apple Watch. That's a real bonus. That's what I was going to yeah. say, though. I do use Apple Maps for when I'm walking because then the turn by turn on my Apple Watch is amazing. Did you right. also see this week there's a, um, the numbers came out that iOS users use Apple Maps three times more than right. I, yeah, I did was bring that. that. Yeah. yeah. Three times more Apple users use Apple Maps instead of That's Google crazy. Maps. That's <laughs> crazy. Something like five billion requests per day are being processed on. I, I read the statistic and I don't exactly yeah, remember it, was it now. It was a, a lot. We'll have to okay. double check. But, but yeah, I was kind of surprised because most people, I think, still prefer Google Maps, I thought. But I will say, I too... Google Maps has gotten a little bit, as they've added more and more features, have gotten a little bit harder and harder to use, actually. Um, yeah, I found it a little hard to navigate. Yeah, whereas originally it was super easy to use. I, I noticed this when um, my mom got an iPhone and I was trying to teach her how to use the maps because she was going on a trip. And I eventually had her just do Apple Maps because it was easier. Google Maps, there was too many steps and too many ways you could get lost in the, some weird little Google Maps zone that you didn't mean to be in. So mm-hmm. Yeah, like for instance, saving something for offline. Yeah. That was, I found, not totally straightforward. So it seems like weirdly similar to saving a favorite. A favorite. I would have to look at it again, but it, yeah. Yeah, it can, it can be a little confusing. Um, so we'd love to hear from you guys, see which ones you like and why. Send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. Uh, and moving right along, let's talk about our insider questions. So if you haven't heard of iPhone Life Insider yet, make sure you check that out. It's our premium subscription. It's the best thing that we sell. So go check it out. Uh, what you get for uh, iPhone Life Insider subscription, you get a digital subscription to the magazine and you get access to our back issue of all of our past issues of iPhone Life magazine. We'll send you a daily tip of the day, and this is a video tip so that you can watch a short clip of how to get, how to do cool stuff on your phone, and you have access to our archive of over 300 video tips of how to do fun stuff on your phone, how to be more productive. Uh, And finally, uh, actually, two things. We are just getting ready to release our iOS 9 guide next week. Uh, so that's coming up. We have in-depth video guides. And last but not least, you can email us and ask us questions. Uh, right. And Sarah Kingsbury will answer you. Um, 
So go to iphonelife.com insider to subscribe. And we like to read some of our insider questions on air. So Sarah, what were some of the best questions you got this week? Um, I got a really great one from Harold, who's having a couple of email issues, actually a few. Um, this is what he says. The phone keeps showing me that I have unread messages in my business email account. Yet when I go to see exactly which unread messages there are, none show up. Unread messages also do not appear on my mail app icon, the red number notification on the app, only under the account name once I access my mail app. A thorough search on both my business and personal desktop computers also reveal no unread messages. I noticed it started with one unread message, and now that number is up to three. Is there any way I can get rid of this unread email indicator on my business email account? And then I'm, this is a really long letter. He has a number of issues, so I'm not okay. going to read the whole thing. But he also goes on to say he has this spam email that will not delete. He deletes it. He tries to move it. Mm. And it just keeps reappearing or it won't let him move it. And so um, basically there's really two issues going on. The first one is really simple, the badge app icon. You have to turn that icon, that badge app icon on for each account that you have. So what uh, I told Harold to do is go into settings and notifications and mail, and then you have to toggle allow notifications on if it's not on. And then you'll see a list of each email account you have on your phone in the mail app. And if you tap on the name of each one, you can toggle badge app icon on. And then whenever there's an unread email in that account, it will show up um, as a little number on your Interesting. Mail. See, I had no idea Thanks. you can get rid of the numbers, huh? Yeah, I just yeah. had that problem myself. Like, only certain, like, only emails from certain accounts were showing up as an icon on my app icon. Weird. So once he does that, that number, the badge app icon should match the number of unread messages that are showing up? No, that's a separate issue. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> so, um, and that's the more important issue, I think, which is... You know, like basically what's happening is whatever it is on his phone is not syncing up properly with what's on his computer. And so he's getting these weird numbers and things aren't deleting properly. So even though the spam email and the ghost unread email seem like two different things, they're actually the same thing. And so um, what I had him do was uh, delete the email account and then reinstall it, which sounds complicated, but it's actually just a matter of like selecting it, you know, and then, then entering your passcode. So it's a very simple thing to do, and it did work for him. So here's how you do it. Um, you open settings, and you go to mail, contacts, calendars, and you tap on the account name, say like Yahoo, and then you tap delete account, and then you go back to the settings, mail, contact, calendars, and you add account, and then select Yahoo and enter your password, and that should res like just completely resync and reset your whole mm -hmm. Yahoo account on your phone or Gmail or whatever account you're having issues with. It sounds like I think you weren't here for the podcast when we talked about Pop versus IMAP. Were you here for that one, Sarah? Uh, no. It sounds like that might have been the problem that he was probably signed up years ago with a Pop account, and then right. every time he updated phones, just kept the same settings. And when he deleted and reinstalled, it probably automatically has you do IMAP now. So Yeah, that and that actually is something, I'm just trying to keep it simple, but that actually when I was researching this was a part of the issue, was mm -hmm. that people with the POP accounts were having that issue. Yeah, so just, yeah. To, just to clarify, if you guys haven't listened to that podcast, uh, is... Which podcast number was it? 
Uh, I'm dying. I don't know. <laughs> Way to put him on the spot, Sarah. I know. I don't have anything. Well, I, like I want people to mind. go back and listen to it. But yeah. yeah. The one where Sarah wasn't here. Go find it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll fig- I, I think it's in the title. So it's there part you go. Of, but I'll figure it out and put a link to it in the podcast. We will link post. to it in iphonelife.com slash podcast. Uh, but a quick recap. How pop works is basically it syncs with your phone and it syn- keeps your phone and your computer syncing separately, whereas how IMAP works is it all syncs server-side. So basically what that means is IMAP, everything stays synced, uh, and you don't have to worry about it. So the, the easy thing is IMAP is good and POP is bad, so don't use right. POP anymore. It's an outdated technology from the 90s that served a purpose that is no longer necessary. Yep. Um, Cool. Okay. Oh, and I, I mean, do you guys, I saw this meme once. There are two types of people. The meme was there's two types of people. Those who have zero unread messages and those who have like a million. And, <laughs> and I have, I think I literally have maybe 15, 20,000 unread email messages on my icon. So I might go oh turn that God. off. Do you, you guys? Know, you can just, I just mark them all as unread. And then I don't have like that embarrassing number anymore, even though I have. But can't like, but I mean, mark I've, them as red? Yeah, sorry, mark <laughs> them as red. <laughs> but and then I have emails from the early nineties. Oh, oh my god! Wow. Yeah. Let's wow. Not... So it's clear which kind of people you guys yeah. are. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, on one of my email accounts, I was like, you know, I haven't looked at these emails for like years. I'm just going to delete them. And ever since then, I've been like, now, what is that thing I like did last year? And then I searched my inbox, and it's not there anymore. So I've been filled yeah. with regret. So. It of, is. It's kind of amazing having all of your emails. Like it, you can find so many things that you did a long time ago. I I don't like deleting emails. Yeah, I I like uh, for me. I mean, I get I don't know two three hundred emails a day, and so it would take quite yeah, a bit of time to go through and click on each email to like mark it as read. And ninety percent of them are like emails that I don't need to read for any particular reason. Um, they're like marketing emails that I'm on a list for or God knows what. Um, so I, it's not worth the time for me to do that. And I don't want to delete them because I do sometimes go back and search. So, what about like rules for your inbox? Do you have those set up? Yeah, I have rules set up to kind of for like various different things. Oh, get on that. I keep meaning to, but it's like, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> okay, we'll report back to us next podcast, Sarah. Let us know if you do it. All yeah, right, cool. I, I usually manage my inbox pretty well, though. Like, at least once a week, I get to zero. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm so inbox zero. <laughs> I've never been there, and I don't think I ever will. At my last job, I was there, but I get, I mean, I get more than David's 300. I get so many. It's just not possible. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't like... I mean, it doesn't mean I read all of them, but I'll, <laughs> yeah. I can go through and choose which ones I want. It. Like some I feel fine deleting, um, but I feel like if I don't do that at least once a week, then I'll miss important emails. Mm, right. I just miss important emails. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, what I do is I'll flag the emails I'm supp- I want to reply to, and you can do that from your phone too. Uh, and that's how I do it is like if I'm reading and I, I, uh, and I see an email I want to reply to, I'll flag it and then I... I hopefully don't miss that many but you know it happens for sure yeah should we do one more insider question yeah let's hear it all right this one's from mike and he says i am experienced the i am experiencing the documented issue of my new ipad pro locking up during charging and that's where people's ipad pros have been just basically turning off while they're charging oh, it yeah it starts up okay when i hold down the start and home buttons for 20 seconds and that's called a hard restart 
but this can't be good. Is there a fix in the works for this or should I be doing something else in the meantime? Actually, what Mike is doing is the right thing to do. Um, Apple's aware of the problem and they actually put up a support page that says do a hard restart when this happens. So he's doing the right thing. Um, but people who have been using the iOS 9.2 beta have reported that they're not having this issue. So hmm. they just released iOS 9.2. So hopefully this will solve Mike's problem. I asked him to let me know. <laughs> um, so I'll keep you updated if you're like also experiencing this problem. Mm -hmm. But hopefully that will take care of it. It's it's really, it's a bug. There's really no solution except for to wait for Apple to fix it. It's kind of a pain, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really yeah. not a small bug. No. But, um, so he should update his software. Yes. Yeah. In the meantime, too, it's a really good trick to know because, I mean, it happens very rarely now, which is impressive, but every once mm -hmm. in a while, my phone will just freeze up or, or mm -hmm. my iPad will. And so I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that you can hold down the home button and the power button together and it'll do a hard mm -hmm. refresh. Yeah, you, you have to hold it down for a while. It can be as long as 30 seconds. Yeah. So if nothing's yeah. happening after a few seconds, don't worry, just keep and, holding. And there are times when like the, if the phone's so frozen, you can't just hold down the power button and do the slide across because the slide across won't come up. Yeah, that happens to me once in a while. Yeah, so yeah. it's a good tip to know. Um, I will correct Mike. I, as far as I know, it's not really that bad for the phone to it's, do it's a like hard refresh. Rebooting your computer. Yeah, it's, it's not really a bad not thing. that bad. So uh, you know, in the meantime, hopefully it's fixed with nine point two. But if not, I wouldn't sweat it that much. I think you'll be fine doing hard refresh if you have to. All right, I think we've got we got a lot of news to get into today. Uh, first and foremost, we just mentioned it. iOS 9.2 came out today. Yeah. So what what is on it? What's exciting about 9.2? I'm excited about MailDrop, actually. Okay, so tell us about MailDrop, Sarah. Well, basically, you know, there's generally a limit to the size of the attachments you can send on over mm -hmm. your email because most servers, you know, like service providers have limits. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you are sending, I believe it's just between Apple devices, but if you're sending like a very large file, you can now do it from like your iPhone to your Mac. You used to be able to do it between Macs. Correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong because I don't actually have a Mac. I have a Mac, but I don't use MailDrop much, so I don't know. <laughs> we can send, we can also post a link with all the correct information. I'm pretty sure it's right because okay. Noah, who apparently, Noah Simpson, our COO, is also apparently an email expert, was explaining yeah. the whole like MailDrop <laughs> thing to me. And um, since I sometimes like email large images and stuff to myself instead of using Dropbox like I should, um, this is kind of exciting for me. Yeah, I think it'll be cool for um, emailing larger videos because, mm -hmm. you know, now you can take these 4K videos on your iPhone 6S, right. but they're a lot of times going to be too big to email or... I've had that happen, I feel like, with voice memos having an issue, really? like really long interviews. Maybe How, I, how long? Because I Like an emailed, hour and a half. I've emailed ones that long. I don't really? Know. Well, now I'm wondering if I tried to text it or... I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But I, it seems like it could be it could be useful. I mean, I the reason why I don't use MailDrop is I use Dropbox. Uh, in Dropbox, you can do that. You can basically just share the link. And then uh, you, you can email a text me link and they can click to download it or view it from Dropbox. And I love that. And I definitely, I mean, I deal with large files all the time. So I definitely use that feature a lot. Uh, the only thing that bothers me about MailDrop is the fact that, is it only between Apple devices? Like if I mail dropped... That's my understanding, Okay, yeah. see, and that's... Uh, I, I love Apple's walled garden for some things. Like the App Store, they do a good job keeping it 
you know, that you know you're not going to get apps that have viruses or things like that. If we're incorrect, we will definitely, like, post an update on this. And send an apology for to Apple for trashing it. But I, I do <laughs> think that, like, for email, it should work for all devices. If you're going to send a large file, you don't want to have to remember if you're sending it to a Mac or a PC. Right. Yeah. So we'll look so into maybe that. I'm totally wrong. I don't know. You might be right. So let's check it out. Uh, iPhoneLife.com slash podcast. And we'll, we'll give you the information on that. Um, and I know because I know it used to uh, like you can share a, a folder of pictures, which is called an album. Uh, you can share an, a photo album and you, it'll do the same thing where it'll create a link. It's like an iCloud link. And that can be open from any device. So hopefully this is the same. Hopefully. Uh, what else is new in iOS 9.2? Anything exciting? Well, in the news app, there's a new top stories um, section. And basically, it's just choosing the stories for you, what you should know that day, which I think is nice. It, and, it, and it has human curation. Ah, uh, so I was about to say, oh, just one more one more feature they stole from Flipboard. But it sounds uh-huh. like the human curation part is See, new. I don't know how excited I am about the human curation because... I, I don't love the human curation they have on Apple Music. I don't like their humans, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> well, also, that's an interesting one in terms of um, if it'll be, like, right or left-leaning necessarily. Like, what will they yeah. choose as the top stories whereas, like, about the presidential campaign, for instance? Whereas, you know? like, if it's programmatic, it'll be based on who you're following, and you can kind of choose. Yeah, which is like, whether you're in the CNN or Fox yeah, camp, you know? exactly. So, so either reinforcing your own biases or, like, following someone else's or reinforcing apple's biases that's what i kind of like about it though is that um i already have my own outlets i follow and so i'm only getting exposed to what i want to be so it is kind of nice sometimes to be told like here are the top stories so you can at least see that and and also have the things you're following Uh i think that's a really important thing actually to follow a broad spectrum of of outlets even if you don't always agree with them just so you can get like a see what's because what is being reported on is just as important as kind of like how they report on it and you have mm-hmm. to like follow a broad spectrum for that. So the top stories will be independent of what categories you're following or they'll be the top stories within the categories you're following and within it's, the um, the actual uh, publications you're following. Yeah. Donna, open it's, up your okay. news app. She's already updated. <laughs> I'm waiting till I get home. We it's had an added. interesting podcast this week because we, we, yeah, we always plan our podcasts on Monday uh, and then somehow a ton of news came out today and so that's why i'm sorry if we're trying to catch up with the news on the fly but this is this is how it works with podcasts i suppose so it's added to your your um favorites under favorites is one of them so then if you go and tap on that you'll see um if you go to favorites in the menu tap on top stories you'll see them all there otherwise they'll just be incorporated in the for you tab along with all your other stories that'll be interesting to see how that works out whether that's nice and unobtrusive or like kind of not very handy because you just want to skim through the top news quickly. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish it was something that like when you open the app, you could see that separately or something instead of just having it be shuffled in yeah, with yeah, the I, outlet. It should be follow. like on top because it's a top story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I agree. So. All right, well, ch- check it out, readers. Let us know what you think and send us an email. See if you guys like top stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. iPhone li- or podcast at iphonelife.com. So there's, there's a bunch of things in iOS 9.2, but I think the third like most important thing would be just more improvements to Apple's offline music and streaming. 
which I guess at least is important to me because I actually went ahead and subscribed to Apple Music and you guys totally went right back to Spotify. <laughs> they had something special for classical music. Will you be excited about that, Sarah? Um, <laughs> I think Jim Carpin will. He's, yeah, he's uh, like really into classical music and um, I, I think he might have at least done music when he was younger. Mm. And so he really enjoys that and I bet this will be nice for him to be able to like search that. Yeah, search, you can search like by composer and just different types of classical music better than you could before. That's great, actually. Um, and you can use Siri to search Apple Music now, correct? Um, yeah, that's actually That's a, on the, the TV, the Apple TV. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry, but I'm getting ahead of my stories. iOS 9.2, though, you can use Siri to um, for Arabic now. Okay. That's a oh, new thing. Cool. And then iBooks also has 3D touch support. Which, Sarah, you're probably excited about. I don't... I use Kindle. Oh, you're a Kindler. Okay. <laughs> Kindler. I've never been called yeah, that. Yeah, I've never heard that. <laughs> I made it up on the fly. I like it. Um, okay. Uh, Watch two point, Watch OS 2.1 came out. Uh, did it come out this week, not today, correct? Today. Oh, I think okay. Yeah, they all just them released a bunch of updates Crazy. Today. So they're, they're yeah. going update crazy today. So what's... <laughs> what is <laughs> Watch OS 2.1, Sarah? <laughs> Um, I guess they're, they've improved the calendar complication, which I haven't updated yet, so I don't know quite what that means. Um, and Well, first of all, what's a complication? Right. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> watch complications are basically um, the little th- anything that appears on your watch face besides basically the time. So that would be like anything that has to do with like the weather or your calendar or... Just anything that might show mm-hmm. a lot, some third-party apps through Apple Watch now have complications. But, I mean, it's a yeah. term from watches. It mm-hmm. predates sort of Apple creating the Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. It's like a traditional timepiece term. But, right. you know, I feel like the complications on the Apple Watch are more exciting than ones on regular watches. I, right. You know, because you can use – it's like little icons that link you to a third-party app when you tap on it. Yeah. So that's cool. So did you, do you guys use the calendar complication? I um, do. They're yeah, also not really, oh. not really. They're also adding power reserve mode to the watch, which is nice. What what's power? I mean, I thought they already had like a low power power reserve. Low mode. power mode? Do they already have that? Yeah. I Where? mean, I think they've maybe improved it. Maybe it's just easier to access. It usually pops up when your iPhone goes low, and mm. you might be able to access it in settings as well. Okay. Yeah. This. So maybe it's just improvements to that. Yeah. It's okay. mostly just improvements and added language support. It's not the most exciting update ever. But I do feel like uh, as polished as Apple Watch was for a first iteration, it it is a little buggy. So I think every yeah. time they release, release a new yeah. OS, the refinements definitely go a long way. And the, even OS 2 is a lot better than OS 1. Yeah, it really is. I think what I'm honestly the most excited about that is they say there'll be less third-party app crashing. Yeah, that's th- my... They'll be smoother because <laughs> I still ha- I still don't use third-party apps that much because it's just the experience isn't mm. as good. Yeah, and, yeah, and then the third-party apps aren't as good, honestly. I never yeah. even got in... Like, I tried out third-party apps when I first got the watch, and then I just never went back, so... Yeah, I mean, I love... My Apple Watch, I think we all are big fans of our Apple Watches, but uh, that's one of the disappointments from Apple Watch for me, is I was really hoping that third-party developers would find cool new uses for the Apple Watch, and there isn't a lot, and I I would have thought there'd be more. Um, So, something to improve on. Okay, so last operating system announcement for today. I guess all the operating systems got updated today. TVOS came out with a new one, 9.1. 
Yeah. Yeah, and thank God they finally have a remote app that works on your iPhone so you can control your new Apple TV. That, I mean, I... To put it out without that working, it seems ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like they got a lot of, you know, complaints over that. Yeah. Well, I I emailed them every day. (laughs) (laughs) Not really, but it it was annoying. Although I do, I will say it was less annoying because the remote is now really good, the new Apple remote. And so I was... Yeah, but you still can't type. Yeah, it's true. That's true. So whenever you enter a password, you have to go and you yeah. know select each. Uh huh. And if you're so... like sitting there in front of people, they're yeah. watching you do it. Yeah. Uh, so like on dates, that's awkward. No. <laughs> it just makes me mad when I have to do something that's unnecessarily laborious. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's that's the big thing, and that's definitely a much appreciated update. Don, have you started using your Apple TV yet? No, they're still in boxes oh, wrapped. Oh, torture. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll have to after the holidays, get your take on it. Yeah. Um, so there's one more big thing for the tvOS update, which is that now you can search Apple Music with Siri. It's not, not that big because nobody uses Apple Music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever. I actually didn't know that you couldn't do that before. Yeah, I know. I didn't know. So either. a lot of people were complaining about it, actually. Can you so on you your couldn't phone? be like, play me, play yeah, Adele songs, like you couldn't say that, and now you can. That kind of thing? Right. Or, yeah, or you can just like say, find, you know, this song or... Play music from the eighties. I will say. I like to do. I will. I will say. Excellent way to spend your time, (laughs) Don. Apple. It's one of the benefits of Apple TV that like people take for granted because it's not like a sexy feature that your Apple TV can play music. But most people have pretty nice sound systems connected to their TVs, and it's in the central of central of their house. It's in the center of their house, Uh, and so it is nice to be able to have more controls for that. And there is no Spotify app yet, so I'm stuck with Apple Music. I know. Well, and a lot of the music I have in Apple Music actually has a video. And so then you could, like, have the video playing while the music plays. Oh, that is cool. That is cool. We were doing that last night, but just doing it from YouTube. So Mm. you can always YouTube it, too, if you have to. So should we tell them how to everybody how to update if they want to? We actually posted a post on how to update to um, at least your phone. But, yeah, why don't you tell us how to update your TV? Oh, I don't know. I thought you guys knew. <laughs> well, for the watch and for your phone, you need to update your phone first. And so you need to be plugged into a power source uh, and you need to be connected to Wi-Fi. And so then you go into settings, general, software update, and you'll be led through the process of updating there. And then once you've done that, you can update to watch OS 2.1 by going into the watch app on your phone and doing the same thing, going to the settings within that app then going to general software update and updating from there. And your phone needs to be charging and have at least 50% battery to do that. And on your TV, mm, oh, okay. On your TV, you go to settings, system, software updates, then update software. And then you'll just uh, select download and install it. And then you just wait until it's ready. I think it usually takes only 15 minutes or something like that. One word of warning, I tend to, our our COO Noah is very conservative with his updates. And I'm not as conservative with him, but I tend to fall in that camp a little bit in terms of if there's a new operating system that comes out, unless there's a feature in there that I'm really excited about, I'll wait a couple days. I do that too. Because sometimes there's bugs that people will discover, and sometimes they're bad. Like, like they brick your phone. Yeah, very rarely, but every once in a while. So especially for these minor tweaks that there's nothing in there that's exciting, wait a few days and make sure that like 
there aren't any crazy bugs that you don't know about that are going to mess up your phone. So you're not excited about any of these updates, David? (laughs) I'm excited because I think with a lot of these updates, they come up with things that are maybe even didn't even make this list, but are subtle refinements and little apps used to crash that stop crashing and things like that. So uh, improvement is always welcome, uh, but I usually take a few days to embrace that improvement. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I actually was using iOS 9.2 before I unenrolled from the public beta program. Mm And there definitely were some things that I really liked that I can't even remember because they were small things. Yeah. But I noticed when I went back to 9.1, I was... You're missing it? Yeah. So, okay, well, that's good to know. So maybe you guys have something to look forward to, some a few surprises of small features that you'll enjoy. Uh, we've got, like I said, we got a ton of news, so we're going to cruise through two more news items. Uh, the first one... People seem up are up in arms, including me. The latest rumor is that they might release a new Apple TV. What is going on? I don't know how seriously <laughs> you should take this rumor. Um, basically, they're hinting at a like a shorter than usual like product cycle. Yeah, um, I doubt it. I mean, I'm sure they're working on improving the Apple TV and making it more awesome for the next iteration. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of exciting after years of neglecting it for it to become a more vibrant product. But I don't know. Are, are there any rumors in particular of how, how it would change? Um, just faster and more powerful with possibly more storage capacity. Um, maybe it has to do with it not quite being there for gaming. Mm. Um, some people are suggesting it could be like an Apple TV Pro and be sold alongside the current hmm. um, fourth generation Apple TV uh, but they're talking about like going into production in early 2016. Which is, yeah, I will, I'm going to bet a lot of money that that does not happen. Apple is one of the most, uh, the patient companies and they're very disciplined with this stuff. They very rarely release a product and then quickly rush out a fix unless there's something really wrong. Yeah, I always wonder, like, it, it seemed like a couple of years ago, like, every company that made smartwatches was putting a new one out, like, every three to six months, and it was nuts. Yeah, in Apple, that's part of, you know, they're slow to release products because they like to perfect them, but because of that, they often mm. don't, they don't do that. They wait. I would bet yeah. a lot of money that it'll be next fall when, when we see the next version. Right. Part of what, what our writer, Todd Bernard, who wrote this rumor um, roundup, was saying that right now the Apple TV obviously doesn't support 4K and mm-hmm. that potentially the new one would, and that would be part of the impetus to do that? I just don't see... I mean, Apple waited so long to release this update. I mean, because they didn't really update the Apple TV for years. Since 2011. So yeah. I don't know why they would all of a sudden turn around and release what seems to be a really good product and, and, there's and then like cannibalize that. Yeah. yeah, I would be pissed, by the way, because I just ordered yeah, I too know, many right? Apple TVs. And there's yeah. nothing, I bet it's like leaked by like Amazon or Google to get people <laughs> to not buy it. Yeah. But there's nothing, also there's nothing in the industry that says like 4K suddenly became relevant where it wasn't like a month ago. Like 4K mm-hmm. is the future. It will eventually become the dominant technology, but there's nothing that's changed to make Apple like suddenly panic and change their mind and release a new right. Apple TV with 4K. Yeah. Uh, the last one, and this is a small one, but I thought it was pretty exciting, actually. Apple released a battery case. Did you guys see this? Yeah. Um, the and, Humpty Hump case. The Humpty Hump case, yeah. What? Uh, it's a battery case. Uh, it, it, it's, most battery cases, like Mophie, are kind of 
bulky and flat backed but this one mm-hmm. is, is like thin but then has like you can see the outline of the battery and it sticks out a little bit Huh. It's um, like twice the, I mean, it doubles the thickness of the phone. It's uh, as thick as the phone where the bump is. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming by your tone that you didn't think it was very attractive looking. Um, <laughs> and the nickname I mean, you our, gave it. Our battery <laughs> cases, <laughs> are, are battery cases attractive? I mean, they're not. I'm like, totally I mean, not. No. I actually am kind of excited about it because so many, like battery cases are really hard to get your phone in and out of. Uh-huh. And this yeah. one has, it's like silicon, so it oh. just like, you can kind of just peel it off, which actually oh, I'm excited nice. about. Here are the two things that I'm excited about for it, actually, and why I thought it was somewhat significant news. Um, first of all, uh, every battery case I've ever seen, and I'm pretty sure every battery case on the market, uses a micro USB, not a lightning cable. Uh, and so that means when you're traveling, you have to use a le- you have to carry around an extra cable with you That's for true. charging. And this one works with your lightning cable. This one works with lightning. No adapter needed. The second <laughs> thing that seems actually pretty significant to me is uh, it, this has a built-in antenna on mm-hmm. on the battery case. One of the things that I've noticed, and I don't know if this is unique to me, apparently not, because I went to the trouble of building an antenna on the case is ironically when you put the case on your phone the, it's kind of big and bulky and whatever the wiring is in it actually damages your your phone's ability to have reception yeah. and so what ends up happening is your phone ends up working extra hard to get reception and it actually drains your battery more quickly Hmm. Uh, So overall, the net is positive because you have more battery power. But like often what I would do is I would put the battery case on my phone in the morning. And uh, I first of all, I don't use battery cases when I'm at home. But when I'm traveling, they're like a necessity. Because if you're out and about and you are using Google Maps and then your phone dies in the middle of nowhere, it's like you're just so screwed and you have no idea how to get home. Uh, and I'm going to a trade show coming up, and at trade shows are another time when it's, they're really necessary. So what I would do is in the morning, I'll put it on my phone, wait for my battery to get low, and then turn on the the charging functionality of the case. And what I would find was if I that my phone would drain much faster with a battery case. Hmm. So those two features seem pretty cool to me. 99 bucks is about in line with the other yeah. cases. Well, and another mm-hmm. point about the hump... Is that <laughs> battery cases are really hard to hold on to. They're so big. Unless I mean like you know, I mean I guess if you're a guy with bigger hands. Bulky. Okay, well your your hands are bigger than mine, obviously. <laughs> but like if there's just the hump, then there's the rest of the phone you can hold on to more easily, which I think is important. We'll link to a picture. I didn't think it was unattractive. I mean I don't think Apple I don't think it's unattractive. usually does it's humpy, but it's <laughs> I I'm most excited about being able to take it on and off easily. Because I yeah. hate I feel like yeah. you like can really pinch your fingers and like break nails even (laughs) (laughs) trying to get iphone cases off so having ones that accounted for that is nice i mean i really like the battery case i use i think i've talked about it before because it basically has a snap case that kind of snaps on to the battery what brand is this ah Hmm. boost case i want to say i don't know that sounds i feel like i've heard you talk about boost case (laughs) i think my favorite is mophie that's the one I tend to use. Mophie's is like pretty it attractive. It slides too. on and off. And it's yeah. pretty sleek as far as like the, it doesn't feel that bulky to me. And so when it slides off, it just basically turns into a slim case. No, no, no. It's, uh, I mean, the, oh, the whole, whole thing case slides off. is in two parts and you snap it together to put it on your mm, phone. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, that, that gets us through news. Um, let's 
talk about we each tried an app or accessory this week. Uh, let's start with you, Donna. What did you try? So my new app this week is Medium. It is a news app that lets you not only see, you can link up your Facebook and Twitter, and so you are following friends there who might be creating content on Medium. So you not only see top stories from big media organizations, but you can also basically use it as a blog if you want to. And I haven't gone so far as to enter any of my own content yet, um, but I'm considering it, and I'm, I'm kind of wanting to use it a little bit longer to see kind of how what kinds of stories other people are posting, mm-hmm. but I saw one um, one with some guy like six months of yoga and he has a before and after picture and then talk you know tells his story with it, uh-huh. but it's like that kind of um, that type of thing. And it has a really nice interface. You can see how many likes a story has um, of other medium users, and um, and yeah, it's just a different news app I, that I feel like. Uh, with the ability to add your own content, add something, adds a little something different than some of the other mm-hmm. ones. It's have. a very sleek interface, and the posts look really nice. They're very like minimalist, but styled well. Yeah, I, I, I come across Medium articles sometimes, and yeah, they always look nice. It's a nice blogging platform. It's kind of to me, I think it's replaced the old school like Blogger.com and stuff as like the preeminent blogging platform out there. Yeah, I feel like I'd be a lot more likely to use this. As a like, I don't really want to have my own blog, yeah, but I could see yeah. using this as like some. If I did something cool or unique, I might want to share mm-hmm. it. Totally, totally. How about you, Sarah? What was your app or accessory you used this week? Um, it's a Couch to Five K app by um, Active, and I actually haven't used it yet this week. I'm gonna. It's my like <laughs> post New Year's app that I'm planning to use. But Getting I did ready to use it for. I did after New use Year's. it last year, and it's basically it's pretty standard in that you know nine weeks you run a little bit, walk and run, and mm-hmm. run a little bit more each week, and it's something I like to do every year. And I've tried several of these apps, and I feel like this one works the best. The interface works really well. It doesn't really crash. I mean the. The voice is really annoying, but that's pretty standard too. You can like the voice. Like, what does the voice do? Oh, like, you like are you have the app going when you're faster. on your run? Yeah, yeah. When you're running slow, it's like don't walk. I'm like, really? Oh, it does. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm running just slowly. <laughs> it may have taken me longer than nine weeks to complete this last time, and then the 5K I signed up for was rained out. But I'm gonna try again. So have you? I was yeah. just gonna ask. Did you? I, I thought I remembered you accomplishing it and doing a 5K. Did it got rained out? It got rained out. So you haven't actually run the 5K yet. I haven't. Oh. I have yeah. the T-shirt from the 5K. Well, that's that, that's the important part. Yeah. They gave I me was free just coffee. Thinking, they were oh. like, "Sorry, it's rained out. Here's your coffee." Sorry, you drove at five in the morning. Oh god. As much as it's annoying having uh, the app avatar or whatever yelling at you to continue to work out it's better than like actually getting annoyed at people at the gym because i feel like i get really annoyed when coaches are like come on donna you can do better <laughs> like, leave me alone i'd rather just yell at my phone yeah yeah <laughs> i like i have on I, I run i don't use let's see what do i use it's called run i use Runkeeper. yeah and so it it keeps it doesn't do the 5k thing which is cool because it that motivates you to kind of build up and get in better shape. Whereas the run keeper just kind of uh, keeps track of your runs. But what I like about run keeper is it tells me like my average pace and it tells me like how far off my best pace I am. It's a similar thing where it's like, 
when it tells you your average pace and you know it's a little bit slower than you often run, it's really motivating to run faster. Yeah, this doesn't give you like real time updates on that. It tells you, you know, after okay. and it and so and you can compare like how you did this time compared to last time, like how far you went and how fast you were. Um, but what cool. I'm excited about is that now I can get notifications from this app on it doesn't it's not on your Apple Watch, but I can get notifications from my phone on my Apple Watch. Mm. And so one of the difficulties with this app is because the voice is annoying. I don't like to always like, I can't hear the voice that well. I maybe don't have the volume as loud as I should because it's awkward to be running by people while this well, artificial oh, voice is like Don't yelling. you have your headphones in? I don't like to run uh, outside with headphones uh, on because I, I like do. to be able to hear cars about to run me over. I'm on record. I, I can only run when I'm listening to like really angry hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the idea of having my like my wrist tapped instead. Uh-huh. Like I feel like that is something I won't miss. So I'll let you guys know how that works for me after New Year's when I start this running outside in All Iowa right. in January. Oof. Cool. Does it tell you like you're ready for your 5K now at the end or? Um, well, it actually has you sign up for it. Like it tells you oh. at some point. And it like, helps you find one in your area and that kind of thing. It wasn't the search feature for the thing was not very accurate. I just found something online. Hmm. When so, how long between starting and doing the five k is it? Um, it's nine weeks. Nine weeks. Okay. Theoretically, it was a <laughs> bit longer. And I'm for like, me. why is Sarah hesitating? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to admit how long it okay. took. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I'm I'm out of town for a lot of January. I'll be podcasting from New Zealand, guys. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but when I'm back, if I in, in shape enough maybe I'll, I'll try to join you halfway through the get in shape for 5k i've never run a right. 5k and it's on a bucket list so, so here you go oh my god david, david and, you're and not Sarah, your... iphone life 5k <laughs> we're not gonna let you get off the hook on this uh, yeah. no there was a lot of maybes in that there was a lot <laughs> no. of maybes in that we're no. holding you to it stay tuned for, i mean we're gonna be like live blogging david's 5k training <laughs> I, I do run semi-regularly so i feel like i, I don't usually run 5k but I run enough regularly where I feel like I feel like I might be able to do it. So yeah. you're not starting on the couch. I'm like not I starting am. from the couch. Yeah. All right. So is your app also Couch to 5K then? The no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. Apparently it is now. Yeah. Guess I have to change it. Uh, no, I did an accessory. Um, I am on a quest to find the perfect glass screen protector, as you guys all know who listen to the podcast regularly. Um, so recently I've tried Topaz, which we've talked about. The thing I liked about Topaz was uh, that it covered the full phone. So the problem is the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5 had a kind of a square shape, which the glass was all square and the screen textures fit really nicely. The iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6S have a tapered edge. It's kind of a rounded edge. And so the glass screen protectors don't fit very well on it. You kind of have still an exposed corner of the device. Um, So Topaz actually fit around that rounded corner, which I liked. What I didn't like about it was that it shattered. <laughs> Mine has not shattered. I've been using it. Okay. Yours hasn't broke. But you're not a fan of it either, right? No, because I, unlike David, I do occasionally use a case, and I, f- I feel like it's not compatible with a case. If you're not going to use a case, mm. it's fine, although it really has a problem with bubbling. It doesn't Yeah, well. which is a bad, a big deal to me. But I hate those bubbles. what happened was I put a case on, and it wasn't like a really high profile. Really, It was a pretty, I like mm-hmm. minimal cases, but pushed the screen protector up and like started to 
you know, peel it off of my phone, which made me uh, unhappy. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't like that yeah. at all. Yeah. So the bubbles and mind breaking and yours of the case, Topaz is not on our recommended list anymore. Sorry, Topaz. Uh, the two, the one that does come recommended is from our feature writer, Connor. Uh, and she likes Kiasi, which is another one that covers your full screen. Um, but this week, I tried one called Lion Cover, um, which does not cover your full screen. That's the big disadvantage. It's kind of the square, so the rounded corners of your phone are still exposed. But that could be an advantage if you use like a really like bulky case that really wraps around the edges of your phone. Yes, that's an advantage if you use a case for sure. Uh, the things that were... I like about it though, number one, it's apparently, they market it as being the strongest glass. They say it's as strong as sapphire. Uh, so that I haven't seen independent verification of, but I like the sound of being strong glass given how often I drop mine and that I broke my topaz after like a week. Well, here's a question. Do you consider that the fact that the topaz broke a uh, is that a failure of the topaz, or is that just a failure of David? Yeah, I mean, some of it is... It was definitely a failure of David, uh, but I was I still felt like maybe a different glass screen protector might not have broken. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm uh, trying to figure out, because... Because I know you drop your phone a lot, and you don't usually break your screen yeah, protector. Yeah, it was it's actually hard to the know, first like, did I just get a bad, Like, yeah. did I just get a bad angle when I dropped it, or... Yeah, the only time I've broken a screen protector was, like I said last week, when I dropped my phone on gravel and stepped on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a, what a bad screen protector yeah. that was. Well, I, mean, yeah. I mean, you that were there, bodyguards. Donna. Bodyguards is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Donna was there when I dropped my phone. Was it, it, didn't, it was high enough where I wasn't surprised that it broke, but it wasn't yeah. so high where it felt like it definitely should have broken. The distance opinion. didn't seem like it should break, but and it made this sound. it wasn't that hard of a floor. It was a hard floor. It was a hard yeah, floor. Yeah, we were at lunch, and it, like... It was a hard tile floor or something yeah. like that. And, and it the felt noise pretty it made direct. when it hit, it was like, ooh, that was not good. Yeah, but the noise, <laughs> I thought that was just the noise because it shattered. It I wonder. Be. I don't I, know. I, it might have been just the angle. So um, I guess like to conclude that, ideally your screen protector doesn't break. But if it does break and your phone doesn't break and your phone doesn't break, I think it's news. still, it's, yeah. you know, that's I not like that's a bad why mark. it's on your phone. Yeah. Okay. Like, you can't it's be too mad scenario. at the company. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're, they're not on my um, angry list. And I was trying to avoid using a certain word. <laughs> um, but, so let me continue telling you about Lion Cover, though, because it has a few other features that are nice. Number one, it's antibacterial. Oh, uh, how does nice. that work? Well, bacteria doesn't grow on it. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. This is just what they told me. It's antibacterial. All marketing copy is 100% accurate. And it was never misleading. It was on the internet, Sarah. So <laughs> everything, everything you read on the internet is true. So I'm convinced. They said it was antibacterial. Uh, we will post a link to their website where you can do your own research to see if you believe them. But what they were saying, and I've seen this research other places too, your phone is something like three times dirtier than a toilet. Yeah. Ew. Um, which, you know, I think it depends on whose phone. <laughs> but <laughs> and we talked about this before and I, the, a high percentage of people use their phone in the bathroom um and there's certain practices <laughs> a high that percentage would... of people don't wash their hands either which is okay see and, and those people i think are bringing the statistics up that's all i'm saying <laughs> yeah. wash your hands people you're grown-ups but even use so even so i like... love it when sarah talks about being a grown-up <laughs> <laughs> i'm so not a grown-up but everyone else should be one yes everyone else should wash their hands um, uh, no i wash my hands too certainly having antibacterial doesn't sound like a bad thing though right no definitely not no uh, the last thing that i really like about it though 
is that it blocks UV and blue light from coming through. Oh, that's I'm really excited cool. about that. So feature. yeah, which is really cool. So basically, I guess the research shows that the in the light spectrum, the the light in the blue spectrum uh, is, I guess, it messes with your uh, circadian rhythms. Circadian right? Circadian rhythms. Think that's yeah. what I was looking for. And so if you're using your phone at night, it can actually stimulate you and make it hard to fall asleep. Right. So this blocks that, which presumably if you're using your mm. phone at night, makes it less likely that it's going to mess with your sleep patterns. That's oh, cool. cool too, because there's an app called Flux that you can yeah. you can use on your Mac, but you have to jailbreak your iPhone in order mm-hmm. to use it. And it mm. does the same thing, you know, using software, but this is a good way to still have those same benefits. Exactly. So this is, and actually I kind of liked the way my screen looked. I was showing Sarah earlier today. Like it had a slightly different tone because mm. of this, but it looked very clear. It didn't like, it didn't, what I hated was those privacy glass screen protectors that oh, like yeah. tint your phone. Those are so annoying. Because yeah. even just using your own phone, you look at it from an angle sometimes yeah. and you can't see anything. Yeah, so this looked nice. So so far, so good. I haven't broken it yet. It's been about 12 hours. Um, <laughs> and he installed it all by himself. I, I yeah, was so proud. Was, I, I go like through. a grown-up. <laughs> <laughs> I wash my hands first and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I usually make I, I make Sarah install my screen protectors and sit there. And <laughs> I actually doing I'm not it, very good at it. I'm actually doing it. And I go, don't mess up, Sarah. Don't mess up. Don't mess it up. <laughs> I'm not an expert at this, but he makes me do it. So this time I decided to do it by myself, and I, I lined it up very nicely, I have to say. Good job. Um, so I'll keep you guys posted, but, uh, oh, it, it retails for, I think, $50, which is a, a reasonable price. It's on the mm-hmm. higher end, but pretty reasonable. Yeah. Okay, moving right along, because we, as predicted, took a while to get through all this stuff. But holidays are coming up, and holidays and phones sometimes mix sometimes don't so we wanted to talk about some etiquette protocol and give you guys our opinions for what it's worth uh first of all just kind of in the big picture what do you guys think do iphones in the holidays mix do iphones help bring us together for the holiday season or do they kind of help bring us apart Hmm. well i mean they're a really great way to get you know to get in touch with people Mm -hmm. it's so Especially if you have family who live out of the country. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember calling cards. Oh, mm-hmm. God, yeah. But I've watched people, like, go through multiple calling cards, calling, like, family in Africa and stuff, mm-hmm. like, trying to wish them a Happy New Year's or whatever. Like, if you guys have, like, good internet connections and FaceTime, you can totally, like, get in touch. You can see them. Or even if it's just an audio call because internet's not always great in certain countries, you know, mm-hmm. like it can really like make it so much easier to be in touch with distant relatives that you otherwise maybe would have only just heard of th- via a card. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think um, also I have a brother-in-law who has family in Africa and he uses FaceTime and Skype a lot to keep yeah. in touch with them. And it is really, I mean, it allows you to have a relationship with people in a different country in a way that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And over the holidays, if you're missing your family, you can't visit them. That's really powerful. Absolutely. I, think. I mean, what we just did, um, Hanukkah started on Sunday, and we used an iPad and Skype my sister, her husband, and uh, my nephew oh, on the phone. Oh, he's so Aww. cute. It must have been so nice to get to like. It was see very him. cute. It's his first Hanukkah. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll go on a tangent and tell you guys a story. <laughs> so he had only ever seen 
singing in candles in a birthday context so we're all singing like the hanukkah prayers and midway through he burst out singing happy birthday (laughs) (laughs) he's like he's turning two at uh at the end of the month so he's uh i mean presumably i guess he did see hanukkah last year but this year he decided to sing happy birthday with us it was very adorable that's so (laughs) cute um so yeah and, and i think that's of course the obvious thing that our phones bring us together, especially with our relatives that aren't here. But do they also um, provide a distraction, not necessarily a welcome distraction, when all our family does come to town, you're at these family gatherings and you see mm-hmm. everybody just sitting there on their phone. Is that a concern? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, sometimes you need a break from people. So that might be a nice way to yeah. just like disengage for a moment from your like crazy uncle or uncles they're always the ones who are used as examples aren't they? i know right? i have very nice uncles um well i have to say that um thanksgiving i was a little bit guilty of using my phone as a bit of a social social crutch at times because when you you're hanging out with family you haven't seen in a while it can be a little bit awkward at first like to mm-hmm. i don't know i felt like i felt like every once in a while i found myself reaching for my phone without thinking about it and getting on there but i would usually limit it to a couple of minutes mm-hmm. but so i want so then let's ask this cuz i think we all are guilty of that or at least i am as well in times when you're feeling awkward to grab your phone and like use that as a social crutch is that acceptable and how much of that is acceptable i don't think it's acceptable actually <laughs> okay. yeah i mean it it's kind of like there are times like I feel like if you're eating breakfast, you can all just look at your phones. Like it's just too early. To- so breakfast is acceptable. Sarah's going on record saying breakfast is allowed. Are your children allowed to use it during breakfast? Yeah, because I supervise breakfast and my husband supervises like dinner, uh. and nobody's allowed to use their phones at dinner. Um, but yeah, you. I think you need to make a conscious decision to leave your phone in your pocket or in your coat or somewhere where you're not going to like just, because I feel like it's a reflex. You know, mm-hmm. you just like, yeah, it, it can be handy when you're like talking and you're like, now what was the name of that person? Or, you know, like, Ooh, quick show everyone that video of like, you know, junior, like performing at that school thing, you know? Yeah. But you have to be really When thoughtful. it's interactive basically. Yeah. Thoughtful and keep it to interactive. Yeah, because I think the social crutch, it's it definitely can be an effective social crutch. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, with Thanksgiving as an example, not seeing people very often, it is your chance to, to interact. And, you know, we didn't used to always have phones to fall back on, so we must have dealt with our awkwardness <laughs> other ways. You know what I, I recommend as a, like, good social crutch when you're feeling awkward Go for a walk mm. with your family members. Shot of fireball. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is really yeah. great. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes the awkwardness just gets up up yeah. to level. Okay. <laughs> Limited amounts. Booze in moderation is great, but walks are great because you're like walking, and so you're doing something together. You're not necessarily looking directly at each other. Yeah, that's true. It actually is surprisingly like smooths over awkwardness. Yeah, I will say the only time. I mean, in, I, I'm definitely guilty of it. And there are times when, you know, if it's a large gathering, I'm a little introverted, I can feel overwhelmed. But I agree that's probably better just to stay present with your family than to disconnect. The only time, though, is sometimes when you're at family gatherings and it is something nice, uh, there are times when I want to kind of share this with my friends. And so, so I'll do like t- snap a quick photo of like my nephew or a Snapchat or something like that. I feel like that's okay, too, in moderation. If you're capturing a moment to share Mm -hmm. with your friends as opposed to using it to disconnect from your family. And I think a nice way to kind of 
make it not be fubbing, mm-hmm. which we've talked about. It's like Phone snubbing people snubbing, yeah. with your yeah. phone. I feel like it's that word say, needs an explanation. It's to say, this is so cute. I'm capturing a picture and sharing it. Oh, so that's people, a good tip. That's you a like, good tip. Sort of explain what you're doing so people don't feel like you're you're snubbing them. And also, because once one person turns pulls out their phone, everyone's like, well, fine, if they're doing it. you know. So. Totally. It's a ripple effect. I'll definitely do that, too. Because the other time when I think maybe is necess- is acceptable is if, like, sometimes I'm trying to coordinate with, like, other people for later with plans. But it's the same thing. I think if you're vocal with it, if you go, oh, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to coordinate something really quickly, then it's not like, oh, he's ignoring me, he's mm-hmm. disconnecting sort of a thing. Yeah, right. it goes with David's usual principle. Like, if you're doing something that's, like, out of the ordinary or not necessarily suggested, it's better to, like... Get out there in the open about it right away. Yeah, own it. <laughs> it is a good principle. I had a little that I never like realized I was a David thing, but well, I, I remember you saying that. that, and I was like, "That's a good point." <laughs> um, other things are uh, one of the things when you have family gatherings are group photos. Right. Um, let's talk about do's and don'ts for group photos. Don't yeah. be so relentless. <laughs> like you don't have to capture every single second. Yeah, I think that. Um, it's nice to have the setup figured out as much as possible because it's really hard to get a group photo mm-hmm. where everybody looks good and everybody is in it. Mm-hmm. So if you can, if you, if that's something that's important to you and you want to have a group photo, maybe of the courtesy of like figuring out where you're going to prop up your phone or have a, a tripod or something worked out, and or use your like Apple Watch as a shutter. And- yeah, because I think like having your photo taken is kind of uncomfortable for. a I, I have a lot of friends and sometimes I don't want my photo taken. So yeah. like make it as painless as possible if you feel the need to take a group photo. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have to do candid shots, like get people's permission, you know, like, yeah. So that's required to do. David's looking at Sarah and I like we're crazy right now. We're not crazy, but, and, and certainly moderation is always advisable in all things, but like, if you're with your family, do you have to be like, okay, mom, I'm going to take a picture of you and my nephew. Is that okay with you? Like, Well, maybe, well, you know, because you can tell usually like if someone's sort of uncomfortable about it or if they're yeah. doing something that they, like, if your mom's been frantically cooking, and I may be talking about myself, and hasn't showered <laughs> yet and is like feeling a little flustered, it might not be the right time to come in and be like, I'm going to capture mom cooking the meal, you know? Totally. Oh, well, Friday we uh, decorated a tree at the iPhone Life office and I asked to take pictures. I'm pretty sure I did ask if it was okay, but... You only asked once. It wasn't like you asked before every shot. Yeah. And you didn't take like too many shots. Yeah, I didn't because like there's something nice about capturing it and then it's like if you're kind of overly... You can kind of spoil the fun if you do it too much. So, okay. Do we have a rule of thumb like once every minute, once every <laughs> 10 minutes? Once every minute is too much. Okay. Okay. If your phone, if you're viewing the whole thing through your phone, then you've got a problem. Okay. And th- that's, that's, that's a point I can sign off on. There are that's times really when people end up trying to capture the moment and actually have it on their phone but miss it in person. So certainly don't have your phone out to take a million photos and not actually be interacting with everybody. So let me make a plea for the kids. Um, you haven't seen your nieces and nephews or grandkids for a while, and you really want to like capture every single cute thing they do. But it actually is like a bit much for a lot of kids to have like people in their face taking constant pictures. So I, I urge like restraint, like one picture of like a kid opening like each present, not like twenty. So yeah. one, one picture per present. That's our rule of thumb for holiday photo taking. Also, <laughs> some kids might love it too much. Like you always have that one kid who's a total ham and is like, "Take a picture of me." So yeah. you also don't want to indulge that too much. May, maybe yeah. a good workaround, and this is a nice iPhone tip. 
two to bring it you know back on subject uh is you can do the uh rapid fire so you can take one photo but you can actually capture that moment as opposed to taking a hundred photos and just missing that moment that's true also i think taking pictures of kids opening presents is a really good opportunity to use live photos if you have a success or success plus yeah good call good call okay so other questions we have for the holidays uh group texts are they are you guys pro the happy holidays group text or are we anti-holiday group text what's the point in sending out such an impersonal message i mean if it's just like you just spam everyone on your list it's kind of like you know it's not very personal. Yeah. My stance is it has to be a tailored list. Like I have a family list and I have a couple of friends on a list and like we like to send each other certain types of messages and I like getting them. But if it's from, if it's like you're sending it to everyone in your phone contacts, like I hate that. Yeah. Then you're also seeing a bunch of responses from people you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I once got a happy Mother's Day text from someone, like a number I didn't even recognize and I like <laughs> agonized about it and I was like, maybe they think they're sending this to their mom. <laughs> so I texted them and I was like, who is this? And it turned out it was some guy who plays soccer with my husband who just spammed all the women on his list, <laughs> which is... <laughs> you know yeah so i i agree another good rule of thumb group texts are good for people who you already have a group text with like if you have your family or you have a group of friends that you regularly group text happy holidays is a really nice thing to send but i think it is not necessarily a good idea to spam everyone you know and then yeah that's one of my <laughs> holiday pet peeves is the then constant like replies of people you don't even have their number in your phone you know they are and it's like 50 people saying happy holidays in a group text it's like enough already we get it thoughtfulness it basically the solution to everything is just like think about what you're doing before you do it (laughs) wise words for the holiday season um let's see i think one of our other questions is apps uh do apps make acceptable holiday gifts um I think a gift card someone could use to buy an app is fine. Yeah, I know. I feel like even that, like an iTunes gift card or something, is makes a pretty good gift. But I feel like... Well, it, like a stocking stuffer. Like. Yeah, but it has to be someone who like you know likes using their phones, more of a power user or something. Because I feel like some people don't even really use apps beyond the built-in apps on their phone. Mm-hmm. So Well, that's why like an iTunes gift card, which by the way, after our last, I was gonna ask, our last podcast, determine? I checked... You can use iTunes for everything, iTunes gift cards, but the Apple Store. And Apple Store gift cards you can only use in the online Apple Store or in the store. So that's the difference. So if you know someone is really deep in the Apple ecosystem and they buy iTunes music and they buy apps and they buy iBooks, you know, an iTunes gift card might be like really welcome. If you know that they're really like in the market for a new case or device, then an Apple Store gift card. Yeah, I mean, there are some really high-priced productivity apps that I could see, like, because you can, in the iTunes store, or in the app store, sorry, you can here's buy a, an, an app, app as a gift. You need to be more productive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, like, for, my dad, for instance, has talked about some productivity systems he wanted to try, but it's like a $20 app or something like yeah. that. 
So I could see that potentially being a good gift. I think apps are a good gift if they're thoughtful, like any other yeah. gift. If it's something somebody mentioned they wanted to try or you knew would be a good but fit for them. How do you give an app I a know. Gift? It's like you what can you do print it, out right? like a picture. But I feel like in general with gifts, I always like being able to give something, like hand it to them. Whereas this, like when you buy an app, I think it just sends them a code to redeem. Uh, you know? So it's, yeah. I think you can, yeah. In general though, because in this day and age, there's so many gifts that are digital that I think it's yeah. okay to print out a card and then print out like a picture of something like an app and then put it in there. Yeah, but I think it has to be, like Donna said, a really special app that the person has specifically mentioned that's kind of expensive. Like like a 99 cent app. Yeah, well, 99 cent app is just, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't, anything for 99 cents is not going to be the most thoughtful of gifts, most likely. (laughs) I once had somebody give me luminosity for, uh, Mm. for a gift and that was thoughtful. I never How used much is it. Luminosity again? It was and a monthly it subscription. Uh, it's an app that, like, apparently is supposed to like train your brain. Hmm. <laughs> we could have a whole other app podcast about like my skepticism about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I never actually used it, um, <laughs> but it was. Really I hope thoughtful. he's not. It was very thoughtful. It was a, it was a sweet gift, but I, I just I didn't get into it. I found it too stressful, actually. But for another podcast, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think that is a good topic. <laughs> okay, last question on holidays. Uh, do you guys have any holiday pet peeves, holiday iPhone pet peeves, things that you can't stand that people do for the holidays? Um, not really, uh, except for, like, there's certain meals. Like, if you're all sitting down to Christmas dinner and you pull out your phone, I'm going to punch you. Well, not really. I'm- you can't take, you don't let people take pictures of the Thanksgiving okay, or the well- Christmas dinner? You can take pictures of, like, the beautiful table and, like, the food, and then you put your phone down, and you sit down, and you, like, pay attention. You don't, like, record people eating. That's so obnoxious. Like, people don't look good while they chew. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think mine, um, I don't know if this is so much a pet peeve, but I prefer an actual holiday card to an e-card. So, I like, when someone sends me a picture with their family and things like that as an actual card... That's something I keep around for like a couple of months and maybe even, you know, store somewhere for later. Whereas an e-card, it's like kind of annoying. You have to go inside the email and then click. And then yeah. there's like weird processes in order to actually open and see it. And then you never look at it again. It's so nice <laughs> to get mail these days too. I feel like you get so little personal mail. Yeah, it feels yeah. really special. Yeah, it feels even more special. I agree. And there are apps out there that let you... Uh, take a photo and turn it into a card that is a physical card. So those are good to use. But do you think that people should do it far enough ahead of time that the cards can all be sent to their house and they can personally fill them in? Because you can personally fill it in online, but then the... Text is like yeah, typed. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's a typed font. See, I have terrible handwriting that no one can read. So <laughs> either way, I'm probably typing that out. <laughs> What's really funny is that like I I much prefer a handwritten note. My mom's gotten really into send out cards, and she makes really nice cards. And that there's an app for that, which you can there's an app for that, <laughs> <laughs> and you can create cards that way. Um, but I like her handwritten notes. But the irony of that is that I have horrible handwriting. And recently, one of my aunts was like to me, I always love it when you send cards, but I have no idea what they say. (laughs) I'm always like, oh, I'm sure Donna said something really sweet here, but I have no idea what it says. You know, I have a book that teaches you how to write um, calligraphy cursive. So maybe I should lend it to you so you can write really legible, beautiful notes. Maybe as a holiday gift? Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> there you go. All right, I think that's all. I think we actually are well out of time. We went a little over this time. So thank you, everybody, who stuck with us and listened to all of our holiday guidance and pet peeves. Uh, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. We do a podcast every week. Uh, like I said, we'd love to hear feedback from you, uh, so please review the podcast. Also, send us emails at podcast at iphonelife.com. And don't forget to subscribe to your free daily tip at iphonelife.com slash daily tip. And subscribe to Insider at iphonelife.com slash insider. Am I missing anything? I always have a long list I rattle off there at the end. Don't think so. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays.